listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Hey everyone, Mitch here with another edition of the Artist Alley Spotlight. Uh, this time I am joined by comic creator Rich Davis uh, from Reign of Dracula. Rich, how's your day going? Man, it's going fantastic, except for a couple hours today when I watched my Titans get their butts handed to them by the by the Bucks. So, And <laughs> yeah. yesterday I saw my balls get completely destroyed by Missouri, so it's not a good day to be a Tennessee fan um, for a football. <laughs> It happens. It happens. It does. It does. <laughs> so you've got a Kickstarter going on right now for Reign of Dracula. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us what that's all about. So Reign of Dracula is the third and final volume in my um, World of Dracula series. Um, it began in Cult of Dracula, continued to Rise of Dracula, and now it's finishing up with Reign of Dracula. What I like to tell people is if Cult of Dracula was a... Uh, Toby Hooper, Southern Gothic, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style film. Rise of Dracula would be a John Carpenter near future dystopia. And Reign of Dracula is a full-on George Miller, Mad Max, the world is fucked apocalypse. So um, the characters that we met in Cult of Dracula back when we were, you know, naive little um, reporters coming to check out a... Um, a Manson family style cult dedicated to an ancient blood goddess. They grew up and watched that cult overthrow uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, and now by Reign of Dracula, they uh, they're uh, kind of grizzled war veterans. They've been through they've been through hell and they're literally fighting hell and heaven and um, everything in this literal apocalypse. So um, it's it's been a really insane story to tell. And I'm really excited uh, to get Reign of Dracula in front of people, um, especially those who have followed it from the beginning. There's a, there's going to be a lot of payoff in this, uh, which is one of the reasons why um, in our Kickstarter, uh, we're offering a catch-up uh, tier. So you can get both Cult and Rise of Dracula, either in hard copy or in PDF, uh, so that you can kind of get the full story. Uh, now, you don't have to read Cult and Rise to get the full story in Reign. I mean, it's a satisfying beginning, middle, and end um, but you do get a lot more depth and understanding of who the characters are uh, if you've read uh, the previous two volumes. So in your world, uh, Dracula is known as the mother of all demons named Lilith, which it's a significant shift to how Dracula is normally portrayed. Uh, what mm -hmm. made you go that route? When I started writing Cult of Dracula, the one thing I knew I didn't want to do was write another story set in Victorian London about a pasty white guy from Eastern Europe invading uh, London and buying up all the real estate. That story's been done so many times and so well, there's absolutely nothing I can add to it. People don't need my version of that story. But I still wanted to tell a Dracula story. Uh, Stoker was one of my uh, I, I, my favorite authors. Um, Dracula has always resonated with me since I was a child, so I really wanted to play in that world. So I started thinking to myself, what can I do that's different? Um, and I started uh, researching uh, vampire mythologies, uh, not only from the Western culture, but from around the world. And I discovered that our Western culture is one of the very few that has male vampires. 
in most cultures, they're female. It goes all the way back to the myth of the succubus. Um, that's the inspiration for um, for what we know as vampires. Um, so a light bulb came on, and I started thinking, if all these cultures have these female vampires, and all these cultures have really creepy folk stories and folk songs about dark, outcast women forced into the shadows, they live on the fringes of society, and they feed off of the innocence or literal lifeblood of children, according to certain myths. I started thinking, that really sounds like a vampire to me. And so what if all of those figures throughout all time, across all cultures, what if that was Dracula interpreted differently by the cultures that observed her? And it opened up this new world of storytelling opportunities because I could go, I could, I could play with the myth of the Cherokee deer woman. I could play with La Llorona. I could play with Baba Yaga and Kali and um, uh, all of these mythologies. Uh, it, it really expanded the Aswang in the Philippines. It, it really expanded what I could do with the Dracula story. And it allowed me to still stay true to what Stoker originally intended because I can still play with the fear of the other, which you know, is a central theme of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And but instead of it being a foreigner, which, you know, we're in a we're in an international global society, you know, the fear of the other isn't as powerful as it was in the Victorian age. But we're afraid of women. I don't know why, but societies are afraid of women in power. Um, it's just a deep-seated fear. So I played with that a bit. And in doing my research, I uh, found out that Stoker actually, there, there's, there's people who believe and evidence to suggest that Stoker intended for his Dracula to be a woman because uh, people think that Stoker based his, his story off of Vlad Tepish. And he did loosely. But what really inspired him was the Irish uh, folk tale of Carmilla. Um, who was widely considered the first Western uh, or first vampire in Western literature. Uh, and Stoker, of course, being um, being Irish himself, uh, you know, that that was a huge inspiration for his Dracula. So I really feel like in doing this, not only do I give people Dracula in a way they're not expecting, but I'm able to stay true to what Stoker originally intended. Um, and that's been very interesting, and it, there's been no limits on the uh, the stories I could tell, and everything needs an origin story. So I took that origin, uh, you know, I was reading um, uh, reading uh, the, the Talmud um, and some of the old, the Apocrypha, um, and I really, really got into the myth of Lilith, and then I found the Islamic version of the Lilith story. It's badass. It is so much cooler than the two lines you see in the Bible and the couple of, uh, um, you know, apocryphal books uh, that that you find. Um, it's a really cool story. I mean, you're you're talking, you know, angels being complete dicks. Um, it, it's it's awesome. And so I decided to go more with that story. And once I decided that Dracula wasn't one person, Dracula is a title like queen or empress, and it's passed down through this bloodline from generation to generation, the stories just got crazy good. Um, and so it's been really interesting to play with that. And again, give people Dracula in a way that they're just not expecting. You mentioned earlier that Reign of Dracula, it's the uh, final part of this, you know, trilogy. Mm -hmm. Do you, 
is this the end? Do you anticipate maybe coming back to this or are you are you ready to try new, you know, try new stories? Yes. <laughs> so um i am ready uh, originally uh the full intention for this was for everything to end with reign of dracula i had a trilogy that i wanted to tell a story broken into three parts of uh of six issues each so six 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 i just thought that was cool uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> love it, love it. right and i really did i wanted to end the story here um but as i was writing it um these minor characters that i started pulling in like in uh it's all victor frankenstein's fault actually um in rise of dracula number three i decided as an easter egg to throw in a scientist um named uh victor and he was working on kind of building these uh these hybrid uh vampire human uh soldiers for this um uh this order basically templar knights um and he's he's imprisoned by them and 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 i really had fun writing victor so started thinking like well why don't i do a frankenstein story when i'm finished with dracula i, I love i love victorian horror that's kind of my calling card um you know uh victorian horror uh mixed with grindhouse horror uh that's that's really what i'm known for now um and so from, from that, that spawned the book, which is currently in stores right now, called uh, Prometheus and Chains, uh, which is a play on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein set in the post-World War II atomic age. Um, so once I had once I had the, the the Frankenstein story going, and I'd already tied them in, tied them together with Rise of Dracula and Prometheus and Chains, I started thinking, well, what if now, what if I do Dorian Gray? What if I do Jekyll and Hyde? What if I... You know, what if I do all of these figures that I've loved, these stories that I've just poured over multiple times throughout my life? What if I what if I brought them into a world and kind of kind of followed one of my heroes, Stephen King, uh, the way he ties everything into his dark tower? What if I started tying everything in to my Dracula and this whole world of Dracula? Uh, you know, it encompasses these these figures from literature, kind of in a Penny Dreadful style way, but they all revolve around Dracula. Uh, Dracula is the center of everything. Um, if you read DC's Convergence, the only issue worth reading is uh, issue zero, and it's when Super Brainiac faces off against Superman at the end, and Brainiac saying, you know, across universes, across time, it always comes down to you, talking to Superman. So that became kind of the kind of the basis for what I wanted to do. It all comes down to Dracula. All of these stories always come back to Dracula. And so, yeah, thankfully, um, my publishers have been very interested uh, in this and my readers can't get enough of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to keep telling those stories. Uh, Prometheus and Chains issue four comes out this month in comic book stores everywhere. Um, the next one I'm working on uh, is a book called Hyde. Um, based on uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, but uh, Jekyll is a um, he is a uh, Iraq War veteran um, who suffers from uh, PTSD and schizophrenia, and um, it's going to be a really dark, interesting story to tell uh, that really gets into uh, the mind of a soldier. Uh, when I was a kid, my grandfather told me, uh, my grandfather's a 36-year Marine, three wars, two tours at uh, at Paris Island. Oh, wow. And he, he said to me one time, he said, son, we cannot send boys off to war and ask them to do what we need them to do 
and not expect them to come home broken men. And that stuck with me. So that is, that's the spark um, of inspiration for uh, Hyde. So we're going to explore that. We're going to explore a lot of veterans. Veterans are very important to me. I come from a military family. Um, so it's always important to represent them well and to present their stories and their struggles um, in ways that don't exploit them and don't just gloss over the mental health impacts um, that fighting in wars has on them. You know, they're not just big, and you know, we're having this conversation uh, Veterans Day weekend, um, so they're not just big bulletproof heroes. You know, they, they suffer. They have thoughts and feelings and experiences and nightmares, and I want people to be aware of that and, and kind of humanize the soldier. Um, and so, yeah, with, uh, um, with Hyde, I'm getting to do that. And again, it'll all tie back to Dracula. That's, that's um, amazing. Like, yeah, I, I need all of those, like, you know, right in front of me right now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to wait a little while, but (laughs) okay, fine. (laughs) But I'll make sure you get them. (laughs) They'll be in comic book stores everywhere. So, um, so go, uh, go check them out and I'll get you some, uh, some advanced copies. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the rest of your creative team for Reign of Dracula. Yeah. So uh, Les Lyndon Garner is my uh, my penciler. Uh, he's also doing inks. Um, Les, I met several years ago when Cult of Dracula first launched. Um, he did a retailer exclusive cover um, and accidentally sent me the original artwork. Uh, it was supposed to go to the retailer, but Les sent it to me. And I wanted to keep it so bad, but <laughs> I did. I returned it to the um, to the retailer, and Les and I became friends from there. Um, we didn't get to work together on Cult or Rise. That was um, uh, Henry Martinez and Puis Calzada did my art for that. Um, so when it came around to Reign of Dracula, uh, Reign's got a completely different feel. It's more metal. You know, it, it's it's it, it's heavy metal. It's it's uh, uh, Viking. Uh, you know that that feel that um, God. I'm struggling for the term. Just just metal. That's what it is. And Les's art style just fit that motif better than either Henry or Puis. Um, so I loved working with Henry and Puis, but uh, and I will work with them again. We've got some other pro- uh, projects cooking. Just Reign of Dracula really needed Les's uh, touch, and his art is fantastic. Um, really, really love it. Um, Alex Zeef is going to be doing colors. Uh, Alex has been my colorist on uh, on all of my books thus far. I, I just love working with her. Uh, she's she's fast. She gets quality work in and she never complains about when uh when i ask her for a billion changes to one panel uh, so she's <laughs> awesome uh i had to bring dave lentz along to do my letters i suppose <laughs> i love dave dave and i we, we we crack on each other all the time so uh yeah i i don't ever want to work with another letterer besides dave he's incredible um and we pulled in covers from uh from Brian Silverbacks, who was a Ringo Award nominee, uh, Jonathan McDaniel, uh, Jordan Dorenzo, Bella Racklin, uh, Spike Jarrell, uh, Sean Koss. Uh, we got some amazing covers uh, for this Kickstarter, so please go check it out um, just to see this artwork. Not only we get to see Les's uh, interior work, but you can see these gorgeous covers. 
Um, and I think Monday we're actually going to drop uh, some, I don't know when this is going to air, but Monday we're going to drop some brand new covers um, that are kind of, we, uh, we decided to, um, I mean, just being honest, the Kickstarter was struggling um, and have no idea why, maybe it's the time of year, maybe, maybe people just weren't digging what they were seeing. So um, rather than, you know, surrendering and accepting defeat, uh, we got together, Les and I, uh, Jerry Corita from Boarding Comics um, and Blue Juice Comics. You know, we all sat down and we we're like, okay, what can we do here? You know, what can we do to entice people? What to make this resonate with people? So we got Les to go back, and uh, Les is fantastic at 3D modeling. Um, he actually has in he he helped create a lot of the software that digital creators like Shikari and Shannon Mayer that they use for their artwork. Les wrote a lot of that code. And so it just made a lot of sense for us to go back to what he's really, really good at um, in this 3D modeling. So we've come out with just some epic, epic covers um, with his 3D modeling. I mean, I I love these. I really like the 3D art style, um, you know, that's really popular in comics right now. Uh, Shannon Mayer is a dear friend and one of my favorite artists. Um, he did all my covers for Cult of Dracula. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to work with these. I'm really excited for those to get out. And I think it's going to light a fire under the Kickstarter and kind of push us over the edge because we're about 50% funded and we still got two weeks to go, but that doesn't make me feel great. But I think these, uh, I think these new covers and these new incentives, uh, I really think that they're going to drive traffic. Um, and cause you know, it, we're comic books, arts, what catches people's attention, the stories, what keeps them coming back. So we're throwing out some new artwork. I'm going to revamp pun intended uh, <laughs> the Kickstarter. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Nice. So you mentioned that you've got about two weeks left on the Kickstarter. Uh, obviously by the time this comes out, it's going to be a little bit less than that. So just so that <clears throat> we don't forget to mention this, uh, yeah. when does your Kickstarter end? It ends on November 28th, so um, at 6 p.m. on November 28th. So that day, I'm going to be sitting there watching my computer, hitting refresh, 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 refresh. <laughs> so, and this is this is my first ever Kickstarter, so I don't really know what to expect uh, from it. Uh, you know, Jerry from Thorny Comics, he's he's done a few, um, and Source Point Press, uh, who released Cult of Dracula and Rise of Dracula. They've done Kickstarters, uh, but I've never done one myself. Uh, I'm I'm really loving the Kickstarter community. I, I've met some really cool people um, who have kind of shown me the um, the strengths of the platform, and uh, I, I really do. I think Kickstarter um, it, that's going to be the the keystone of the future of American comics. Yeah, and. Just, you know, going back to, you know, like how you plan on spending your last day of the Kickstarter on the mm -hmm. Kickstarter, uh, me on the other side who have like back to Kickstarter that like I really wanted to get funded or whatever. And like the, the last couple of days, like it's like, oh, is it going to happen? So like mm -hmm. I've done that same thing, too, like the last day, like I'm refreshing it a few times, like, am I going to get this book? Am I? And then <laughs> when it does happen, it's like I I feel like. I was part of the reason for that. <laughs> yes. Hey, every single backer helps, man. Um, and I've got some really just 
crazy dedicated fans who are promoting the Kickstarter everywhere. And they're just as invested in this as I am. Um, and that was, uh, that's been true all the way back to Cult of Dracula. You know, I was, I was nobody when Cult of Dracula came out. Nobody knew my name. You know, I, I've been a screenwriter and a playwright, mostly script doctoring, helping people fix their scripts. My name had never really been out there. I'd never done a comic book. Um, and, you know, it, what the way I approached it was kind of guerrilla marketing style. Like I started getting very active on, uh, on Facebook groups and on Reddit and places like that and building relationships with the people who would become my readers. Um, and most importantly, I built relationships with people who own comic book stores, uh, comic book stores. They are the lifeblood, the backbone of this industry without them, comic books, are just dead because without the local comic book store, everything is going to be produced by two giant multinational corporations who all they care about is protecting valuable IPs rather than um, telling good stories. So if we allow that to happen, everything's going to have Bat Dude and Spider Guy in it, and that's all we're going to get. But local comic book shop owners, they serve as kind of curators for the industry they find these diamonds in the rough. They find these independent uh, small press comics and they support them. They love them. They bring them to their, to their customers and their customers read them and they tell more people. And uh, so by building those relationships early on with both my readers and my, uh, my uh, people who own comic book stores, it really propelled uh, my stories. I mean, Cult of Dracula was a top 50 best-selling comic of 2021, not a top 50 best-selling indie, not a top 50 best-selling horror comic, a top 50 best-selling comic. And I credit that, Not it's, it's not me, it's those retailers who supported me and those fans who supported them. And I would not be where I am today without those two groups of people. And thankfully they continue to support me um, and keep me going. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm hoping they show up again uh, to, to support my Kickstarter. Dracula, you know, Bram Stoker, we, we first mm -hmm. witnessed that version of Dracula all the way back in 1897. Mm -hmm. So for you, what, what do you think it is about that character that just, it makes it seem still relevant, like 120 years later? Stoker has themes that are extremely relatable um, you know, that Dracula is the most adapted, reinterpreted character in, uh, in entertainment history. We're talking thousands of versions of Dracula from, from short stories to novels to comic books to, uh, to stage plays to films. Uh, Dracula is just, there's something about the character that resonates with us and the themes are easily adaptable um, to our different times. Also, Dracula was really the first character to introduce the idea of the sexy vampire. Um, you know, a lot of people probably rolling their eyes right now because we're thinking Twilight. Yeah, <laughs> Twilight's a thing that happened. It's not that bad, folks. It's 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 not great, but it's not that bad. Um, and you know. Twilight owes its existence to Dracula. Um, and, you know, that that sexy vampires, it, that's something that Western culture really, really loves. Um, you know, Anne Rice and uh, Twilight and uh, True Blood, you know, all of those things. 
And those things aren't possible without Dracula. Dracula didn't break that ground till that earth. We wouldn't have those stories like that. We'd still have the stories of the Nosferatu and uh, the monstrous vampires, because that's what most cultures have. Most cultures have monstrous, evil, ghoul-like uh, vampires. So Dracula really kind of redefined the the vampire genre, and I think people recognize that and continue to come back and find new ways to adapt the story to new and different times. So tell us a little bit about how you got your start into comics. Yeah, completely by accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm only kind of joking with that. Um, so uh, as I said, I began my career, most of my career has been as either a playwright or a screenwriter. Um, and uh, I owned a owned a theater uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina, called the Brown Coat Pub and Theater. And uh, I was having lunch with a uh, with a friend of mine, Rob Mann, um, who was directing a stage version of Dracula. And he hated the script, absolutely hated it. Loved everything else about his show, but he hated the script. He said, and he said, "There's no such thing as a good Dracula stage play." I took that as a challenge, and I told Rob at lunch that day, I said, "I'm going to write one." And Rob laughed because Rob knows if I say I'm going to do something, it gets done. I'm, I'm that guy. Um, so I went back. I wrote the stage play. We produced it about a year later at the at the Brown Coat. Uh, it ran for a full month of sold out shows. It was nominated for several um, uh, North Carolina Theater Awards. It won a couple, which was really awesome. And as fate would have it, the stars aligned and uh, Tony Todd, Candyman, was in town uh, in Wilmington filming uh, at Screen Gem Studios. And Tony decided to come to my theater to see my version of Dracula. And after that, um, he hung around and wanted to talk to me. And Tony and I became friends. And he kept saying, Rich, you can't, you can't let go of this story. You've got something here. This is good. This is a story you need to tell. So it, originally what I wanted to do was from there adapt it into an independent film. And uh, I worked on that for a long time. Um, unfortunately, uh, my wife, Amber, uh, was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease and, uh, her health rapidly declined and she ultimately passed away in 2020. Um, but when she got sick, I knew I had to shift my focus away from a film because developing a film is very expensive. Uh, it is very difficult and it requires a lot of attention and a lot of resources. And I knew that I couldn't devote all of that to making a movie while my wife was sick. She needed me more than I needed to make a movie. Amber got pissed at me, so pissed, because I was giving up. Like, I actually deleted my, my script of everything. I deleted it. Thankfully, um, Amber kept a PDF of an earlier draft that I sent her, and she made me go back to it, and she said, okay, I get it. I know we can't do a film. I, I understand that. But why don't you do a comic book? Because writing a screenplay is very similar to writing a comic book script. Comic book scripts have more in common with screenplays than they do novels. They require a completely different skill set. And um, my first reaction was, well, I don't want to do a comic because I'm a god-awful artist. And she <laughs> said, yes, but if you look at comic books, they have a writer, and an artist. You don't have to do it all. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Um, I had been fortunate in my life to make, uh, make friends with some really, uh, really interesting people who happened to be in the comic book industry um, and uh, got in, in touch with my friend um, 
uh, Georges Genty, who uh, gave me a lot of advice, um, and uh, my very dear friend, the late Tom Lyle. Um, uh, he uh, he was by that time his comics creating career was over. He was working at SCAD as a teacher, uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. And uh, they were very willing to help me and gave me a lot of advice and helped me make a lot of connections. Uh, they introduced me to Henry. Uh, Tom introduced me to Jordan Dorenzo, who would later become my artist on um, Prometheus and Chains. And I real quickly, I, I, I learned how small the comic book industry is. Everybody knows everybody or knows someone who knows someone. And the comics community is also very supportive. I mean, coming from film and theater, I was expecting cutthroat, you know, that that's what I came from. You know, people don't, people don't help anybody, you know, it's, it's, it's Lord of the flies and the comic book industry is not like that. I mean, I had creators, big name creators who had absolutely no reason to even look my way they would they would converse with me um, either over Messenger or sometimes over Zoom, you know, because most of this was happening in 2020 when uh, with COVID. And, you know, they were giving me their time and they were giving me advice. And that gave me a lot of faith in this industry and what I could do in it. Um, and now I'm I'm in a position where I'm a, you know, a fairly recognizable name in the comic book industry. So I'm in that seat where creators are coming to me for advice and I get to give it to them. And it's such an honor for me to be able to pay that forward because there were so many, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants and one day people are going to be standing on my shoulders. And then another day people are going to be standing on theirs. Um, and that's just an incredible feeling. So yeah, it, it really all kind of happened by accident. Um, but then there was a lot of, you know, divine intervention for, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, I just met the right people at the right time and had the right idea. So who would you say are some of your inspirations when it comes to not just writing, but also comics mm. in general? Um, writing wise, um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Aaron Sorkin. Um, I know this isn't popular to say right now, but uh, Joss Whedon was a huge inspiration for me. Um, I love the way he does dialogue. Um, same thing with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino's dialogue um, is is incredible. Diablo Cody, um, I love her writing style. Um, again, dialogue, character driven. I, I kind of gravitate toward uh, character driven uh, screenwriters, novelists, things like that. Um, Stephen King and Anne Rice, I mean, those are inspirations for so many people out there. Uh, but they really did have a profound impact on my life. You know, I was reading, I was reading Stephen King's, uh, I read um, Eyes of the Dragon when I was in seventh grade. I found it at the uh, Scholastic Book Fair. Why in the hell <laughs> Eyes of the Dragon was in a middle school book fair? I have no idea, but I read it and I loved it. And they, you know, that's where you're first, um, you're first introduced to his Dark Tower. And when I found out that there's more, of this i'm like oh god i gotta have it so i went and i convinced my mom to buy me the stand seventh grade me seventh grade what am i 12 13 years old i guess and i'm reading the fucking stand really <laughs> i didn't understand i didn't understand 10 percent of that book but i loved it and you know stephen king is all i always come back to stephen king and i always come back to Anne rice um so those are huge inspirations 
comic book artists, uh, Bernie Wrightson, uh, Steve Ditko, um, uh, you know, people like that, um, uh, uh, Frank Frazetta. Um, I just love the way they tell stories uh, and they tell it visually. So, yeah, I've had a lot of really cool influences in my life and, um, you know, uh, great inspirations. Awesome. Awesome. So where can people find you online? So you can go to the World of Dracula website. That's just worldofdracula.com. Uh, the best play, that's more of a billboard site, you know, just, you know, here's what I've done, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if you want to interact, uh, find me on either Facebook or Instagram. It's at World of Dracula. Um, there's a great community on there. Uh, you know, people comment back and forth. They talk, not only do they talk to me, they talk to each other. Um, if you send me a message on there, I'm going to respond. Sometimes it's going to take me a little longer, you know, because a lot of times I'm, you know, doing this writing thing um, or doing conventions. You know, I do, I do about 10 to 12 conventions a year. Um, so, but I will get back to you. I will respond. Uh, and so social media is the best way to get up with me. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, World of Dracula. Uh, I think there's a Twitter account out there, but I don't use it because Twitter scares the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I stay away from it. But I think, uh, I think my, uh, my publicist, Mickey, I think he posts on Twitter for me. Um, so yeah, uh, World of Dracula on everything. Nice. I, I love that someone who is so based in horror is scared of Twitter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it, I, the God, the way Twitter can just take one sentence, one word, and just <laughs> blow it the hell out of proportion and shred people. I mean, it's that's terrifying. That is the pen is mightier than the sword. The pen is mightier than 50,000 swords. <laughs> Twitter's scary. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned that you try to do uh, like 10 to 12 cons a year. I know this is a bad time for cons. I, I feel like they kind of slow down during this time of year. But uh, mm -hmm. do you have any lined up in the near future? Yeah, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, Big Apple Comic Con in December. Um, I've done that one for the last three years. Um, Peter and those and Mike, those guys up there are incredible. Um, it's at the historic New Yorker Hotel right down uh, on, off Times Square. They're awesome, fantastic people. It's a good, uh, it's a throwback con to the way conventions were um, before San Diego Comic Con became Comic Con. Um, it's very comic book focused. It's very, uh, you know, the people, they know each other. They, their people aren't there to get a picture made with a celebrity. They're there to talk about comics and meet comic book creators. Uh, and then after that, I'll be off. Um, until, normally, I'll be off until March. Uh, March, April would be when I do Megacon. That's usually my first kickoff con of the year. But uh, this year, they've moved Megacon up to February. Uh, so I'll be doing Megacon in February. I, I do a lot of the Fan Expo shows. Um, a lot of the read pop shows, um, uh, Heroes Con in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, that is a convention I will always do. I love Heroes, and I love the fact that it's all for charity. Um, and then, of course, Dragon Con is my, that's my home. I love Dragon Con. It's every Labor Day weekend in Atlanta. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, it, it, I cannot speak highly enough about Dragon Con. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so you can see me at all those places. Um, I will... I hope to be invited back to San Diego Comic-Con. I was a guest there this year and the year before, um, so I hope that I'm invited back. New York Comic-Con, um, I hope to be invited back there. I've been a guest for three years in a row. 
Um, so yeah, conventions, all that stuff, you'll see it on my website, you'll see it on my social media. Um, and yeah, please, if I'm there, you know, if, if you're there and I'm there, come see me, come talk to me, man. I love, love meeting people. I love talking comics, not only my comics, I'll sit down and talk comic books with you just in general, um, especially, <laughs> especially horror comics. So, you know, so find me, uh, and you know, I'd love to meet you guys. Nice. Nice. Uh, one more time, give us the info on reign of Dracula and the Kickstarter. Yeah, Reign of Dracula, the third and final volume of my uh, my World of Dracula trilogy. Uh, it's on Kickstarter right now from Thorny Comics. Uh, it is a full-on Mad Max vampire apocalypse, and we pull in apocalypse myths from not only uh, the Judeo-Christian, but we pull in, you know, Ragnarok. We pull in the uh, the uh, the Indian uh, concept of Armageddon. I mean, every every culture has an end of the world story. We pull in the the Cherokee uh, mythology. So you're going to get to see things that you don't normally get in just your standard apocalypse story. Um, and you know, it's 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 crazy. <laughs> it's an insane story. It's it's the most action packed um comic book i have ever written i mean it's pages of of war uh you know you get you see nephilim stepping over buildings and swatting demons out of the sky and then they're gunned down by uh you know by uh by zombie soldiers uh, i mean it, it's it's a sick apocalypse man i'm i'm having i'm just whatever pops into my head with this i i'm going with it i, I am holding nothing back um with this um and then you get this really cool story about mina and lucy twin sisters daughters of dracula uh lucy's working her way through the nine circles of hell mina's working her way through the circles of heaven um so you get that so sometimes you're going to need a little breather from all the blood and action um so you do get that story in there as well so if you're a fan of vampires you're a fan of horror if you're a fan of post-apocalyptic um literature and if you're a fan of just religious mythology uh reign of dracula has got something for all of that Nice. And one more time, when does Kickstarter end? Ends on November 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Nice. Awesome. Richard Davis, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Best of luck with your Kickstarter. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. I've had a great time, and uh, I'll come back anytime. Awesome. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone.